welcome to So Much More. I'm Jody Nisnik. This is a podcast designed to help you create space for God. Jesus, in some of his last words, found in John 16, 12, stated, There is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Jan Johnson with me as we have a conversation around a portion of Psalm 139 and where the Lord led her. Jan is a writer, speaker, and spiritual director. She has degrees in biblical studies and Christian spirituality and has written 23 books, including one of my very favorite books, Meeting God in Scripture, which is a hands-on guide to Lectio Divina. Through the years, it's been one of my favorite books to give away, and I can't recommend it highly enough if you are looking for some written guided meditations in God's Word. Well, welcome, Jan. I'm truly excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Jody. Well, I gave a brief introduction about you, but what did I leave out? Tell us a little bit more about who you are and what's important to you. Well, I have great fun with those three roles. You know, the the writer, I'm here in my bat cave. <laughs> you don't have to dress like an adult or anything. It's great. And then getting to teach, getting to interact with people. And then then the very hidden practice of spiritual direction, being on the front row of people's lives, which is so much fun. So I do those things. And then I have great fun reading and doing yard work and um, looking at great works of art and hanging out with friends and, and dancing at weddings. Yes. <laughs> oh, well. We have a wedding coming up in our house. My daughter got engaged recently, so we are in full planning season right now, and I am looking forward to some dancing at her wedding. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) Good. Um, Well, that sounds like you have a very full life, and um, so thanks for sharing all of that with us. So I want to start uh, before we dive into the conversation with just a quick reminder about the passage that we're in. So let me read it for us before we dive in. So this is a reading from Psalm 139. It's verses 1 through 4 and 23 and 24. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Well, Jan, we did uh, this passage as a Lectio Divina. I know that you're very familiar with that process. So where did the Lord draw you as you meditated on this passage? You know, what's interesting, Jody, when we do Lectio, we need to set aside all the wonderful things we've studied. I mean, we let that influence us. But when I look at this passage, I'm always thinking about how Psalms pivot 
because right before verses 23 and 24, it, there's a four verses of rant and do I not hate those who hate you and, and all that kind of stuff. And then it switches. The pivot is to look at myself and say, search me, oh God, and know my heart. So I had to do exactly what you do in your instructions, where you just pause and you say that God has permission to say whatever God wants to say today. And um, and it may or may not be in those verses. So when I was listening to it, I was really struck by um, some of the first few verses, especially the idea of perceiving our thoughts from afar. But I was really struck by the idea that God is a person who gets me. You know how you can be around people and and you feel like nobody really gets mm-hmm. you. And sometimes a female who is a leader um, gets that a lot. I mean, how many women do you know that do a podcast girl, you know? And and when people hear what I do and that I travel all over the world to do this, you know, they kind of look at me like, oh my gosh. Um, and and I'm when I'm just like, you know, me. And the the idea that God really gets me, that I'm not the oddest person in the room, that the the nearness of God. So I wrote my, I always write the Orashio part, the, the prayer. And I wrote, you, oh God, are the one who truly gets me. That is what all people, all of us long for. Someone who understands us, quirks and all. And we make sense to them. And that's you. And I'm not odd or weird to you as I <laughs> to people in my culture, even sometimes people at church. Yeah. Um, and then when it said, you know, when I sit and stand, I thought um, my every move is interesting to you. Mm. I loved that idea that everything I do is interesting to God and I'm not alone and I can live today in union with you. And you will see me in many small tasks and um you know, nothing. I like the idea that nothing is going to surprise God. God's not going to be rolling those divine eyes going, oh, here she goes again. That's right. um, that that close witness of God, which was just, it was so wonderful. And so I am, after I did the prayer part, then, you know, the last phase is contemplation. And I was, Dallas Willard, my friend um, and mentor, said once that he thought contemplation phase of Lexio is about worship, which is different from what other people say. And so I think of it as fixing your eyes on God, the gaze of your soul on God. So I just played um, a few of my favorite worship songs, especially one about the goodness of God and how it chases after us. Another one on the reckless love of God. Mm, I love that one. I was so enamored by the idea that this, this God who is so close, I mean, that the theological words are eminence and transcendence. <laughs> so the nearness of God, the closeness of God, and yet the magnificence of God all in one, and that the God who is magnificent, who created the world, is exactly what this says. 
you know when I sit and stand that that same God is the one who pays close attention to me and isn't annoyed to do that. Yeah, I love that. As you're speaking, I'm thinking of how comforting it is to have somebody know us that deeply and intimately. And like you said, and not roll their eyes at us. Just there's this full acceptance, this embrace that we get from him. And, um, and I, I, I really love even how you're moved into that contemplation place that kind of talking to God, what is the invitation? The invitations worship. And I think it, I, I, and I really do appreciate what Dallas Willard says, because I think anytime we have an encounter with God, anytime we have an awareness of him and what, and his word becomes living and active, which he says it does. And it is, um, it does lead to worship because you've, we've, we've, we've gone into this thin place. We've gone to a place where God has feels so much more near because we're aware. Um, I mean, it's us that's becoming aware. Obviously he's, he never moves, but you know, so I, I love that. I feel very comforted as I'm listening to where the Lord led you in that passage. I think it's interesting how study and meditation work so closely with worship and I came up with a set of phrases and Jody, I'm sure I stole these from someone, but I don't know who. And what I think about this is that study and study without meditation and meditation without worship lead to arrogance and worship without that interaction in the word leads to fluff. Oh gosh, that's so good. Really need both of them together. I mean, it was like when I got done meditating on this, there mm-hmm. the, the most logical thing to do was worship. Yeah, I gosh, those are great words. I I think even if you took them from someone else, they're they're so joyfully giving them to you because they're so beautiful and they <laughs> they just speak such communication of truth to us. Um that yeah, I think when we just fill our head with facts, we become very heady people. And that is, that's the definition of arrogance. The other thing I was thinking about when you were talking about just worshiping um, without actually the understanding of who God is, um, does become fluff. And I, you know, there's been a lot of talk lately of even just a lot of our worship songs perhaps aren't even theologically sound. Like we really need good worship songs that are coming out of scripture that are speaking truth because we're reciting those words over and over to our soul. They need to be truth about God. Um, And I think sometimes we can, oh, that sounds lovely and wonderful, but is it really true? And so I think there are, we do need to also be careful even about the worship songs we're singing, which is why I think those two things absolutely do need to go together. That's very well said. I'm curious, as you are doing this process and letting his word be fresh and new to you today, and he draws you to this place. Was there anything else that surprised you about being in this part of his word? Well, I think that those first 10 verses of Psalm 139 are so, I think I've heard them so often that I kind of like, oh yeah, right. And and so when I saw that that was the passage that you gave me, I needed to it's like James 121 says, welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your soul. So I needed to say to myself, no, this, this is, is God speaking, and I will hear God afresh 
every day. And that's where, Jody, your instructions are just perfect. Find a quiet space, sit in an attentive yet relaxed posture, take a few deep breaths, and I, I actually went through this whole thing because that's what I do in meeting God in scripture. I have you do the prep. But, you know, sometimes now I kind of skip it because I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I went, no, I'm going to do what she said. <laughs> and, um, and I think that was really good. And ask the Lord to help you clear your mind and be open to what the spirit has for you. Mm. That is so well said. Well. Thank you. That's a high compliment coming from you who literally wrote the book on how to do this. <laughs> I mean, we've we're building on hundreds of years, of course. This is not a new practice that either of us have come up with. Um and I'm curious for you, you know, what led you to discover Lectio Divina and what was your first experience or, you know, kind of what maybe not even your first experience, but what how did it become a part of your life? Tell me a little bit about that journey. Well, I kept hearing people say meditate, but then they never told you how to do it. And I really think that Joshua 1, 8 verse is so key, not to let the book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. And then the result, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And I was looking at my life going, not so careful to do everything written in it. <laughs> in fact, out of that verse came a kind of a signature phrase of mine of you do the connecting, meditate on it day and night, and God does the perfecting. So then you become obedient. And I was I was looking for a way to make this wild child obedient. <laughs> and um and I thought, well, you know, I think that's how it works and it's organic meditating on it really leaks into your soul. And you begin doing things organically that you've been meditating on. So I was really interested in how that worked. And so I just started trying to find books about it and that kind of thing and going to any class that mentioned it. And then, um, but I very early on in that process, I began trying to teach people to do it, which really taught me what I needed to know because <laughs> I needed to make this a street level kind of thing for people because it sounds too woo. And so um, that really helped me a lot. Um, just trying to help other people do it. And then the more I did that, and I've probably been leading sessions like that for about 30 years. And it's my favorite thing because I love to hear what other people are hearing from God. And when you have a room full of people, everybody heard something yeah. different. Yes. And I, that is absolutely one of my favorite things as well. And I've led groups of people through this process. And it's even one of the hopes that I have for this podcast is that there can be some community aspect of doing it with other people so that you can see how big God is, how big his word is, how alive he is in each of our, our hearts and souls and minds, because he's leading us each differently. Um, and to me, like you just said, that is one of my favorite things to do. It is just like, ah, oh, he is so real and he is so near and he so desires to commune with us. If we'll just settle ourselves down enough so that we can 
have that space with him. So I love that. Oh, did that, that, that start your journey into spiritual formation and becoming a spiritual director? How did that unfold for you? So I went through 1985 and went through kind of a, a, a life crisis and ended up in a 12-step program, Overeaters Anonymous. And I kept hearing step 11, prayer, meditation, and constant contact with God. And so I went, okay, constant contact with God. Okay. So I went and got out Brother Lawrence and started reading it. And then I got prayer and meditation. So then I went, okay, let me see. I read Celebration of Discipline a long time ago. So I kind of came in sideways and just then got very interested in spiritual practices and um, how they, how using them to connect with God, not just to do stuff, but to connect with God. And then watching God slowly change me through that connection was just very exciting to me. What kind of spiritual practices did you discover in that season? So I started going to a retreat center and trying to do a, a retreat um, as a silent retreat. Um, it, it was just amazing. And, it, and of course, when you do that, you the first thing you want to do is go talk to someone. <laughs> so you have to just get over yourself, you know, and go, yeah, this is normal. Yeah, right, right, right. It really was very transforming for me. And, um, but there was a regular retreat center that I went to and, and that really helps when it's the same place. So the solitude and silence, and especially Dallas often talked about not having the last word and, you know, I'm a word person. I write for a living. I talk for a living. Oh, we're the worst. (laughs) And so just learning to let you say what you're going to say and, and, and just smile at you and just keep going. I found that it helps to smile because then I'm doing something with my mouth, which I seem to need to do. And so that whole, I call that situational silence. Mm. And then um, practices of confession, which of course is part of 12 step. You're there just telling the truth about yourself. And I learned, oh my goodness, this is great. I need to do this. Mm. And then I, so I developed a a way to help people do that um, in small groups. And in the classes I teach, I teach a process of confession that um, I think really helps people um, simplicity has been huge. And in fact, one of the late comers in my writing of books was abundant simplicity. And I wrote it because I would go to places and I would teach people about what you're doing. Exactly. I would teach them about meditation. I teach them about all this cool stuff. Then I'd come back and nobody was doing any of it. They weren't doing the sound. And I realized that's because their life is too full of everything else. So then I started teaching more on simplicity, which I had just learned because I I just wore the same clothes all the time. You know, when I go to speak, they go, you wore that last year. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Or in frugality, um, just simplicity in the meals that I cooked, simplicity, because I wanted to be able to focus on Jesus more. So I think those are probably some of the, the, key disciplines that have meant a lot to me, 
but just being able to, and practicing God's presence throughout each day. Like when I was praying this, and it talked about, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you know, when I sit and stand, I also added to God, I started going through the things that I was going to do today, meetings I had earlier, and, and being with you, and asking God, just help me to be a blessing to someone mm-hmm. today, and to be aware of your presence. I think that is just enormous. It's so important. And then, you know, a lot of the things I've named are relatively introvertish. Ah, that's a very good, yeah, keep going. And I think I have a friend who is an extrovert who tells me that spiritual formation has been kidnapped by the introverts. And I think that's true. And that's why, Jody, what you are doing is so important because people sharing what they're learning, you know, sometimes you can do, I love group Lexio because. You can, you can read a passage and kind of go, hmm. And now I've learned to ask people to share in twos first. And then some will share with a large group because what I need to hear is from you. Mm-hmm. You complete what was coming to me. And, um, and I am an introvert. So I've done a lot with like welcoming the stranger and learning how to be more of an invitational kind of person more of a welcoming kind of person, because I would rather just sit in the corner and read. Okay. (laughs) And um, that great commandment to love God and to love the person standing in front of me is enormous. So I've really worked a lot on, on that, on what is it? In fact, my paraphrase is what does it look like to love God for the next 10 minutes? What does it look like to love the person in front of me? Your neighbor is the one nigh you near you love the person in front of me for the next 10 minutes. So I've really worked on ask Jesus to show me those kinds of things that I need to know about loving my neighbor and not just being so solitary. Yeah. I love that because, you know, what comes easy for you easier or the things that maybe you long to do to spend time with the Lord are those more introverted things. And someone, I I think I'm an ambivert at this point. I think I'm about equal in my introverted and my extrovertedness. Um, But I know my friends that are highly extroverted, them going out and serving and doing all these hands-on things and large groups of people, that is so energizing for them. And that's how they feel very close and connected to God. And I don't think either is wrong. And yet... I think what we need to do is be stretching ourselves, which is what you're just talking about to love the person in front of you for the next 10 minutes can be really stretching for an introvert, um, for an extrovert to sit in silence for 10 minutes can be really stretching. And so I think just experimenting with different kinds of practices to see what do we learn about God? What do we learn about ourselves? How does this help us grow closer to God? And the ones that you mentioned are very countercultural practices. And as you practice those things, how did you see transformation happening in your life? What kind of things did, did God start doing in, in your life as you practice these things? Well, I became, especially not having the last word and things like that, I became a much better listener, which I believe that listening is a, it's a primary way to love people. 
And that comes from meditating on the woman with the issue of blood and how it says that she told her whole truth. Now, you've got to picture this. This is a crowd of Palestinian men, and she's talking about her gynecological disorder. And Jesus isn't saying, hush, honey. You know, he stands there while she tells her whole truth, it says in Mark, which is a good example of in Lexio, we need to pay attention to each word. And, um, and so listening to me is minute by minute submission to be able to focus on the other person and not rush in with my answer, not rush in to tell a story, but to really be present. I think that's been one of the um, biggest game changers. And then just meditating on those scenes from the gospel, how Jesus, okay, Jody, this, this was freaky to me when I did this. I did a whole chart on all the healings and I realized that most of them were interruptions. Mm. A third of the time, a person came and asked to be healed. A third of the time, a friend or family member came and said, would you come in here? A third of the time, Jesus took the initiative. So most of the time, mm. it was an interruption. And that really spoke to me. I need to be able to be interrupted. I need to be able to shift my attention to the person who wants my attention, who wants me to pay attention to them. And it really did help a lot because I thought I'm missing out on a lot of stuff. Oh, that is so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I, I I haven't noticed that specifically in the way that you have before, but I've seen how Jesus responds in interruptions. And it has been so convicting to me that I have to, and I think you, you even said it just a few minutes ago. It's about, um, you know, practicing God's presence throughout the day that's being open to whatever the interruption is. That's saying, actually, maybe this isn't the interruption. All of my to-do list is perhaps the interruption to what God really wants me to do. <laughs> and so, um, but it's hard to do, isn't it? Well, it's, I, I'll say it's hard for me to do. I'm a total achiever. Give me my checklist. I'm going to check all the boxes. And if I don't get it done that day, I feel very unfulfilled and unsatisfied. Yes. And God, I think is constantly trying to help me break myself of that habit and say, no, just be open to what I have for you today, which is where a practice like this is really helpful for me because it makes me slow down and, and really sit with him. And I also, I so value what you're talking about with saying, not having the last word. Um, I think listening well is loving well. And I think one of the best ways we can love the person in front of us for the next 10 minutes is often just to receive what they have to say, not give them advice, not fix them, not do any of those things, but just listen and receive Ask the spirit. What do you want me to say and be quiet? Um, and yeah, I've one of my very best friends is a spiritual director. And so she has taught me how to listen through the years because she's modeled it for me over and over again. And it is such a gift. So I know that you are a gift to people when you do that as well. Well, Jan, I am sad to say that our time is coming to an end. So let me ask you, how can people find you and, you know, read your work and do all of those things? Where can they find you if they're interested in knowing more? My website is just janjohnson.org and all my books are listed there. You can 
read like the first chapter to see if it would be interesting to you. And then there are loads of free articles that you can download, some of which are on meditating on scripture. There's also um, scripture meditation exercises on my website, um, all kinds of stuff for you to explore. Um, I'm just hoping that the website is a blessing to people. Well, I have been exploring it and it is a blessing. So I do want to encourage you um, if you're listening to go to the website, I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, go, there's lots of free resources, as Jan said, and Jan, you've written 23 books. That's amazing. So there's a lot of books as well. And I think thousands of articles that you've written for yeah. all kinds of publications. So the Lord has truly given you a gift of being able to articulate in written word um, to those of us who are fellow journeyers and disciples of Christ. So I do want to encourage everyone to check that out. Well, Jan, thank you so much for making space to just be with us and tell us a little bit about your journey and uh, spiritual formation and even Lectio. And so thank you. You're very welcome, Jody. Well, the conversation truly has been a gift to me and I know it will be to all who listen. And I also just want to thank you all for joining me again on So Much More, where we do believe that Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air, they're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.